0: And this woman had a reputation for being kind and generous and hospitable. But what really made her great was she had some insight. She had spiritual perception. She had the ability to discern where God was at work. And see, our problem is we often know where God has been, but not where God is. Do, do you remember when, when, when Elisha went to the brook cherith? And he went there to the brook Cherith And drank from the brook And the raven came and brought him flesh But the Bible said after a while the brook dried up And a voice came to him and told him to rise and go to Zarephath He could have stayed at Cherith if he wanted to But Cherith was where God was But Zarephath was where God was coming And there are many of us that are still sitting at a dried up brook We're where God was uh, and don't have the insight or the perception Some insight. She could understand when God was at work. And there's no telling how many houses that Elisha had passed by. And they failed to identify the anointing and recognize the presence of God that was in his life. He passed by houses where no doubt there were many great needs. He passed by houses where there were cancer patients. He passed by houses where they were broken, about to be evicted. He passed by houses where there was death, where there was disease, where there were all kinds of needs. And they probably saw him coming, but they did not perceive or recognize the anointing or the power of God that was in his life. They received no miracle because they did not perceive God in the prophet. And one of the greatest gifts you have as a child of God is perception, which is not just sight. Because many people saw Elisha. They saw him pass by the house and maybe even said hello to him. But perception is more than sight. It is the ability to see deeper, to see beyond the surface, to grasp with understanding, to see with the heart and not with the head. Matter of fact, tap the neighbor that's in front of you and say, could you get your head out the way? I'm trying to see something. Don't tell your other neighbor, you got to get your head out the way because you got to see this your head, but you got to see this with your heart. There's a revelation that's waiting for somebody, but you'll never get it with your head. You got to get it with your heart. Have you ever felt like you're on the verge of a revelation? On the verge of something special from God? That could totally change your life Something that has the power To shift you to Another dimension, another level in your faith, another level in your anointing, another level in your finances, another level in your ministry. And you know it's right there and you're on the edge of your seat because it's right within your grasp. There's something about knowing that you're close to something which can have a very powerful effect on you. How many understand what I'm saying? When you know that it's right there in your grasp, you start becoming a little more aggressive about that thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Some of you might even become a little pushy. Matter of fact, push your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm close to something big, uh, and I don't want to miss it. Uh, you see, I know in my spirit that I'm on the verge of a
1: WTCC. Good morning, Springfield. Welcome to the spoken word. Pastor Talbert Swan, the second with you, up until 10 o'clock. Coming up at 10 o'clock is Mr. James Lewis. He's coming up with Mid Morning Jazz Great Black Music. I've got a guest in the studio today, and we're going to be, um, well, talking about an event that's coming up, but in the context of the, uh, the plight of young black males. Give you some background. You remember last February, um, Trayvon Martin, a 17 year old black male, was murdered, uh, in Sanford, Florida, uh, by George Zimmerman, who was at that time a 28 year old white male, um, I know they, they, they tell you that he's Hispanic, uh, but I believe that's for convenience. Um, they talk about his mother being from Peru. Um, over 70% of the folks in Peru are white. Uh, being from Peru does not necessarily <clears throat> mean that you're not white. Um, in any case, it took 44 days, um, and an extreme international movement to put pressure on them before he was arrested, charged in Martin's murder. Um, during that intense 44 days, there were protests and conversations on race in America. Uh, many residents in our own region, um, uh, who post regularly on Mass Live and other blogs and websites, um, um, staunchly defended Zimmerman uh, um, and accused those that were incensed that he had not been arrested of being the racist. Um, millions of dollars were raised on his behalf in his defense. Um, the trial took place, and a, f- a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was found, um, he was acquitted of Trayvon Martin's murder. And so here we stand uh, in the backdrop of that. Uh, and many other things that are going on concerning black males. The U.S. has the highest incarceration rate of any wealthy nation, about 2.3 million people um, sit behind bars. And out of those 2.3 million people, the overwhelming majority of them are African-American males. Um uh, and so we could go on and on, but we won 't but we could go on and on and on uh, with all of the statistics that kind of uh, give you a backdrop into what is going on uh, with black males in our country. Um, in any case, the question now comes: what do we do about the plight of black males? What do we do about uh, the victimization, criminalization of black males, but then also what do we do about um, those wayward black males that, that are uh, in large part a part of the problem uh, in our community. Um, uh, four shootings in the last four days in Springfield, uh, many of the things that happen in our neighborhoods um, and make it for an uncomfortable and unsafe situation uh, is the result. Of the actions and activities of black males in our city, I've got the Reverend Dr. Calvin J. McFadden in the studio. He is the senior pastor of the Saint John's Congregational Church, uh, and he is here with me this morning. Good morning, Dr. McFadden. How you doing, bro? I am wonderful. Good morning, Pastor Swan. Good to have you with me. Uh, a couple things I want Absolutely. to kind of weave into this situation and we'll uh, save the back end. Uh, you are now a candidate for an at-large seat on the Springfield School Committee. And yes, uh, I definitely don't want to let this time go by uh, without mentioning and talking a little bit about that. Uh, but before we get to that, Um, kind of tell me what your take is. I was in, in Florida. I was attending the national convention of the NAACP at the time the verdict came out. And of course, the, the national organization, um, immediately, um, sought out the Justice Department, uh, in terms of trying to ensure that a, a thorough investigation was done and trying to pressure them to bring civil rights charges against Trayvon Martin and, I mean, against George Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And I've been involved in that process. But what was your take? Uh, many people say, you know, I'm not surprised. I, I predicted on this show mm-hmm. that he would be acquitted. But even though we know America and we may not have been surprised, there was still some level of shock because, uh, many folk felt like Maybe they'll get it right this time. What, what was your reaction?
2: Rev, my reaction was certainly the same as yours. Being a native of Florida um, uh, and not too far from the Sanford area uh, in Tampa, I was absolutely and utterly shocked at the verdict. Um, I, too, had thought that um, he would be acquitted. Uh, but I thought also that maybe the best would, would come out of the situation. Uh, that indeed, um, folks, those mothers that, uh, were on that jury, that indeed they would feel the plight of Miss, uh, of Trayvon Martin's mom and understand that, um, it was indeed about race. I don't care what anybody says. I think that, uh, it was certainly implicit in this case. And I think that, um, they overlooked, uh, the real facts of the case and um you know the we see now this juror um uh, our latino sister who is now um apologizing uh mm-hmm. to Trayvon's parents and saying that she can't sleep and and I'm I'm glad she can't mm-hmm. because she ought not be able to sleep as a result of them allowing someone who took a person's life simply because of in my opinion uh the color of his skin
1: you know the the the, the race factor is is being conversed about uh, all over the nation mm-hmm. and uh, I recently um uh, posted something and said that white privilege uh is being able to say r- that race has nothing to do with it Absolutely. and actually believe it uh, wh- What do you say to those folks who who are s- staunchly against um the fact that race played any role in this in this in this whole thing what What do you say to them when 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 folks um are quick to say Whenever African-Americans um, um, have a conversation about how race plays a factor um, in in any uh, uh, arena in American life, that we're playing the proverbial race card. I think
2: folks that say that, Rev, they are ob- oblivious to the plight of black folks. Um and, and and my grandmother used to always uh, say a phrase that you walk a mile in my shoes, you'll understand why I do what I do and why I say what I say. And I think that's the case for uh, um, African Americans in particular, uh, particularly for our, our white brothers and sisters, uh, those who don't understand that it's about race. Um, they. Uh, those who don't understand it have been really accustomed to, as you mentioned, uh, the privilege of just being who they are, being white folks. And um, as a result of being white, there are uh, certain privileges that they um Are able to gain that we as black folks simply because of the skin of our uh, color, our skin, are never able uh, to obtain. And so sometimes it's difficult for people to understand that. And and, and as you know, Rev, simply because we have a a black president, folks feel that Mm. you know we've arrived, that there are no race relations issues that need to be addressed. But I think um, conversely, it's 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 uh, the opposite. I think that um, because we have someone in the White House who is a person of color, I think for me. It ought to raise even more the social consciousness and awareness of people in our nation and in our community. Uh, that though we've gotten an African American male in the uh, White House, I'm hoping uh, that President Obama will continue to use his position for a platform to heal uh, racial issues in our
1: community. Uh, one of the, the criticisms, and I, I happen to agree with this one that uh, um, the Reverend Dr. Michael Eric Dyson brought up concerning the president, uh, he talked about how the president talks about racial issues. Uh, when he's talking to an African-American audience, when he when he goes to Morehouse and gives the commencement speech mm-hmm. or when he goes to the NAACP, he talks about our issues of concern. But as president, uh, he has wide latitude because he speaks to different audiences all over the nation. Absolutely. And so Dr. Dyson says why is it that when he's talking to predominantly white audiences mm-hmm. that he doesn't talk about the race issue and doesn't deal with that uh... and 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 that's something i happen to agree with because Absolutely. the conversation has to be had and the only way that we really deal with something is to be open and honest about it and not pretend that it doesn't exist that's one right. one of the other things that always comes up uh... in these conversations and i've african-americans have brought this up and and I've tried to respond to this by saying we're talking about two separate issues so when when we rallied behind um uh, Trayvon Martin originally and when we rallied um in wake of the verdict I've had many African Americans to say hey rev you know but what about black-on-black crime that happens every day? Mm-hmm. Why are we jumping up and down and yelling and screaming about this verdict, but we don't jump up and down and yell and scream about black-on-black crime that happens every day? Mm-hmm. I look at it this way. Um um, first of all, we do jump up and down and yell and scream about black-on-black black crime. We we address it from our pulpits. We address it through programming. We address it every single day trying to deal with the problem of young black men that are out there being thugs and right. uh, hoodlums, etc. cetera. Um, but I think that they're two separate issues. When you're talking about the problem of black-on-black black crime, that's one thing. But when you're talking about the problem of racial discrimination and how it plays out in the justice system, that is a completely different, I think, we blur the lines uh, when we try to juxtapose one against the other.
2: Absolutely. It's like treating two different wounds. You don't treat uh, each wound the same. You have to uh, find out what the problems, the root problems are uh, for each of those issues. And I think they're two separate issues. Uh, But they certainly are being addressed, I believe, by the church, uh, by the black church, by organizations such as the NAACP and other organizations in our community and our nation that are looking at um, ways to curb uh black on black crime and violence um, as you mentioned earlier ray of the shootings that have occurred over this past week uh this past weekend um, you know, it's it's a sin and a shame that we are experiencing uh, these types of, of behaviors where we're taking out our own, so to speak. And I believe that often persons are sitting back watching, mm. allowing us to do that. And so uh, part of the issue that you raised um, or the effort that we're hoping to have on tomorrow night is that not only are we um, commemorating the life of Trayvon Martin and, raise, Martin and raising uh, the uh, social consciousness of our community as far as race relations are concerned, but we're also hopefully saying to our young men, that uh, we're expecting more from you. Mm. That it's time out um, for uh, this crazy behavior and 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 tearing each other down. But it's time to lift each other up.
1: So talk uh, talk a little bit about um, the service on tomorrow night. Um, uh, what was the catalyst um, um, uh, for the idea? Uh, what is it going to be about and what do you hope to accomplish through it?
2: Thank you, Pastor. You know, I was, I was really concerned about, um, in particular, St. John's having a voice in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in response to particularly the Trayvon Martin, um, case. Um, but I saw the work that you were doing, uh, with NAACP and, and Representative, uh, Cheryl Rivera and others in, in the march and, and the rally in commemoration of, uh, Trayvon's life. And I said, you know, I believe that it's time for the church, uh, to really make a statement, um, uh, to really do something. And so I, uh, late Saturday evening last week, uh, just it popped in my spirit that uh, maybe this is something that, not only St. John's, but other pastors and churches could rally behind to say, let's come together and worship God uh, and ask God for his grace and for his uh, consecration upon the lives of our black boys and our brown boys. And so I was so pleased when I reached out to you, Pastor and Pastor Snowden and many other pastors, particularly of the Pastor's Council, and said this is something that that we'd like to do to bring all churches together, to have um, a show of brown and black males in the form of a choir and and preaching and speaking uh, to show that there is strength and solidarity uh with our brown and black males and so our goal is to really show the community uh that we're no longer going to tolerate um uh, just being tossed to the side not only by our own but by others Uh, and we hope that the conversation will begin even after this service um to uh, make sure that programs that are already being offered to support brown and black males, mm-hmm. that we continue to lift those up and support those, as well as uh, make a concerted effort uh, to change a generation in Springfield.
1: 413-736-2781. You're listening to The Spoken Word. Pastor Talbot the second with you in the studio is the Reverend Dr. Calvin McFadden, mm-hmm. Senior Pastor of the St. John's Congregational Church. We're talking about the plight of black males. We're talking about... Um, save our boys worship service, which will take place at, uh, St. John's Congregational Church tomorrow at seven o'clock p.m. Uh, now, one of the big criticisms, Dr. McFadden, um, that the church gets, and that's around everything, uh, is where is the church? Why is the church not doing anything? And, uh, oftentimes, um, I always ask, the, people who make those criticism what church do you belong to Mm -hmm. first of all what church do you support either financially or by volunteering your time because churches are volunteer organizations some of us have been uh, blessed enough to be able to hire staff Mm -hmm. Um, but many churches don't even have paid staff Uh, they're volunteer organizations and if you don't volunteer your time I feel like you really don't have the right to criticize but the second point is I think that folk really just don't know what churches do on a day-to-day basis when they ask that question. What's your response when folks say, where's the church?
2: You know, Rev, you're you're right on point with that. Um, Sometimes my response is, it's interesting that we talk about where is the church when you are the church. Uh, So if you're not um, joining in the efforts or finding out what we're already doing or even beyond that, um coming to your pastor i encourage people listen come to me i I, just because i'm the shepherd doesn't mean i have all of the answers i don't know exactly what we might need to address all of the time but there's some of you who have wonderful ideas wonderful um uh creative things for ministry that if you bring it to us let's do it we're open to that you need to volunteer your time so that the church can be the voice that it needs to be
1: absolutely good morning caller you're on wtcc
3: good morning Reverend swan and pastor McFadden. god bless you both and I just wanted to uh, talk about the, um, the wayward young black boys who are acting out the way they're acting out. Um, uh, at, um, at a young age, I was kind of like the same way. I spent 25 years of my life in prison. And in 2004, I was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression and bipolar. And I think that uh, um, oftentimes when I was acting out as a youth, nobody really detected that I was going through some mental health issues. And I didn't have a moral dilemma. I had a mental health issue. And I think that a lot of our young people, just from my observation, probably are going through some mental health issues, and we are looking at them from a a moral perspective or the family isn't involved. And um, I think that the diagnosis of our young people in the uh, medical field sometimes is misdiagnosed. And I was wondering... What is it that we're going to do about thinking about looking at the mental health aspect in reality of some of our young black boys who are wayward? Um, I was one of the first young people in Chapter 766 in the city of Springfield. I was one of the first young people who was in Sickle Junior High School who was uh, labeled uh, with ADD and all of these things. They put me in special ed classes. And as we know, once you put in special ed classes, that's the pipeline to prison. And so when we're thinking about dialoguing about why their pants are sagging and how they're acting the way they're acting, um, I think that we should try to investigate what's going on um, with their mental health. And so I would like to, um, I got to uh, give you, an, uh, Pastor McFadden, Reverend swan um, we have just brought the National Black Alcoholism and Addiction Council to the city of Springfield to deal with uh, our young people and people in general from an African holistic perspective. And um, so um, I just wanted to offer that out there. And I wanted to offer this to uh, Reverend Swan. I I, I know sometimes in the past that I have been sort of uh, egotistical in my approach to things, and I have said some things to you, Pastor Swan, that I shouldn't have said, and I just wanted to, uh, as I did with a few other people, Publicly express to you my sincere apologies. We're both black men, and just like Trayvon Martin was killed, you or I could be Trayvon Martin. We may have different ways of approaching things, but I know that your heart is in the best place, and I sincerely apologize for my behavior towards you, Reverend Swan, in the past. And I pray that God keeps continuing to bless you, and that you forgive me of my faults against you, and you have a wonderful day, sir
1: thank you so much for your call certainly your apology uh, is accepted and and definitely thank you for your call and for those comments Um, um in 2009 when President o- Obama was uh, first inaugurated there was hope that the nation was becoming a a post racial society of course we know um, that it isn't it wasn't then and it isn't now uh, but some things the caller talked about uh, ring true um, the disparities are still wide um, in income in wealth, and what he touched on in health and Absolutely. particularly in mental health mm-hmm. uh, and so w- what my advice would be is 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 no one of us can solve all the problems of the world or of the African American community but i I encourage people to find an area where you have passion mm-hmm. and get involved in trying to make change in that area That's and right. there are many people who are trying to address the health disparities that exist, um, in our communities every single day. You have the Mason Square Health Task Force, you have folks at Bay State and other places who, who consistently attempt to deal with health disparities to bring about some level of equity. And those who have a passion in that area, I, I'd encourage them to get involved.
2: Absolutely. I think you're right about that, Reverend. One of the things that I thought about, uh, when the caller, Uh, was talking was something I failed to mention that prior to the beginning of the service on tomorrow from six to seven, we're going to have what we call a resource fair. And so there are organizations in our community uh, that are already providing services to our community and particularly for uh, males and children. We're going to ask them to uh, contact the church today and we'll have a table for them set out in the foyer so that they can pass out information to people as they come in, Uh, particularly our mental health providers, uh, our mentoring and tutoring programs. We want them to be in place because we don't want to assume that just because we're having this service that nothing is being done in the Mm. community we want to lift up those organizations that are already making impact in the community uh, but perhaps some people may not know all of the services that they provide but i think the caller is certainly right on point talking about the mental health disparities or health disparities uh, overall in our community and perhaps that is one of the ills of the
1: society that we need to address absolutely good morning caller you're on wtcc
4: good morning gentlemen I just wanted to say thank you and God bless you to you two gentlemen, one, for, for, for being together on this, and for two, I want to thank Reverend McFadden for talking about this issue. I was just talking to my pastor, Reverend John C. Gentry, yesterday from Gardner Memorial about St. John's and the churches that surround St. John's and the neighborhood that there's no reason why they can't get together and do like the Nation of Islam did years ago and go house to house and make an aggressive approach to clean up this neighborhood and to convert the hearts of these young people. We are where we are because we choose to be here in the midst of all the things that are going on. They don't Our people don't want respond to leadership at the ground level. Everybody has to have some title, and that's my opinion, how people, uh, everybody has to have a title before we make a move on anything. And I just want to say thank you for standing up regarding the casino issue, Reverend McFadden, because people who call themselves children of God, who are supposed to know the Word of God, need to be ashamed of themselves for not standing up. It was you and a a gentleman from a white congregation that stood up out of all these people that say they are about God because Jesus says he will take care of everybody's needs. But they're more concerned about money and the amount of money that's going to be spent on these casinos, everybody should be think tanking and turning around and create jobs, real jobs. They can do it. They have the money, they have the connections, they have the positions to do these things. It's just that they don't want to because many of them have their own personal hidden agenda. And when that judge told um, George Zimmerman that he was uh, free, I'm from the old school generation. that when you look at people by their body language, you you were able to pretty much sum up everything. I watched, she was grinning. And she practiced, she... She was trying to stifle a laugh before she said, oh, you're free. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen, again. God bless you. God bless you. Thank
1: you for your call. 413-736-2781. In studio with Reverend Calvin McFadden. Um, talking about the uh, worship service um, around saving our black and brown boys take, taking place tomorrow evening at the St. John's Congregational Church. Uh, you need to be there. Uh, we have a, um, a male uh, mentoring group uh, at our church, Spring of Hope, and we're going to be gathering at our church at six o'clock with, with the males, and we're going to come over as a group.
2: Awesome.
1: Um, and certainly uh, we encourage you to bring some of these young brothers out. I think they need to hear uh, what going to be said. Uh, I, I want to. I know you've got a, a photo shoot coming up, and I'm. I'm gonna let you go, but um, I can't stop without talking about your candidacy for the um, school committee. Um, and you've made your announcement, so uh, why don't you tell the listeners about uh, what your vision is uh, concerning uh, the Springfield School Committee.
2: Thank you so much, Pastor. And let me thank you for this uh, great opportunity to come in and share with you. I really enjoyed this. I'm excited about our campaign for the Springfield School Committee. We decided, uh, prayerfully made a decision to uh, run for an at-large seat, Um, because we believe that our Springfield public schools were headed in the right direction, but we also believe that we can do better. And um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to add value uh, to the uh, Springfield School Committee. I'm running on the platform of the ABC McFadden Plan. Uh, talking about active accountability that we should hold uh, not only our teachers and administrators accountable for what goes on in our schools, uh, but our parents, uh, our students, as well as the district uh, should be held accountable for student achievement in the Springfield public schools and also budget transparency for that Uh, I believe that the classroom indeed should be the beneficiary of our taxpayers dollars that we should have the best of uh, technological advances in our schools. And I believe lastly, for that C uh, community partnerships for transformation, and I'm not just talking about you know someone coming in and, and having two or three tutors a week. I'm talking about businesses, religious communities really taking ownership of our local schools and um, offering their support services, offering uh, their financial resources, offering their manpower to make the schools all that they can be. Rev, I don't see why in the world uh, we have an uh, AIC right next to our Homer School and that mm. college not adopt Homer School um, so they can be all that it can be, and so. I'm hoping that uh, my um, election, hopefully and prayerfully to the uh, Springfield School Committee, uh, will offer some creative insight as to how we can be the best school district that we can be. And so I'm one of four people running for two seats, and um, we hope to make an impact
1: absolutely certainly um uh, i'm taking off my president of the naacp hat and uh i've pledged my support to you um uh, as an individual uh and certainly we'll do whatever we can um to make sure that you are elected to that seat we're going to take one more call and then we'll get some final comments by um reverend mcfadden good morning caller you're on wtcc
5: yes good morning i would like to uh through that woman no matter what because if all males meet with males they still don't know what the mother done went through to bring males into this world because the males in all these different states they give to them before they will the woman It's a lot of women incarcerated and nobody brings them a boy to let them do no talking and a lot of Christian people church people done been in jail too women I'm talking about and nobody helps them. They have to pray, pray, and listen to whatever be said and try to keep on living. All right.
1: Thank you so much for your call. Um, one of the things that I always encourage folk to do is really, you know, many times people talk about, well, they didn't know um, certain things were happening in our community. I think that if you have an interest, that it's not only the responsibility of the entities that are sponsoring um, certain events and functions uh, and programs to get the word out. It's also our responsibility to seek out the information. Um Uh, On the last caller, uh, just this past February, I brought Kimba Smith-Pratia to the Spring of Hope Church. uh, she was um, incarcerated, first offender on a drug arrest um, um, as a very young woman, uh, spent time in jail, uh, was sentenced to 24 and a half years. Her sentence was commuted by Bill Clinton, and she talked about um, the issue of women in prison and incarceration rates among black women, et cetera. So oftentimes there is information that is brought to the city, but it's, it's incumbent upon us to seek out that information. Reverend McFadden has another appointment. I want to give him an opportunity to have some final remarks marks
2: pastor once again thank you so very much and 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 i certainly uh, understand um, the comments of the, of the last caller and one of the things that we're hoping to do at the service is to have a prayer a prayer of consecration for um, all males um, but particularly those that are being raised in two parent homes, as well as those being raised by single parents. Uh, And we want to lift up the parents who are raising uh, these boys, particularly mothers who are raising uh, boys to try to make them to be the men that they um, have been called to be. And so we're asking persons to please come on out and support this great effort. It's going to be a time of reflection, but it's also going to be a time of a great worship experience. The Reverend Dr. Delman Coates of the Mount Eden Baptist Church in Clinton, Maryland will be preaching. Comedian Gerald Kelly is going to provide Laughter for the Soul. Uh, Gigi Mime crew uh, will provide some entertainment as well as we'll have about uh, i think it's about 25 to 30 males who are going to provide an all-male uh, choir for us and so it's going to be a great time of celebration with local pastors churches community leaders you need to be there pastor swan thank you so much for all that you do in the community
1: and i appreciate your friendship and support definitely appreciate you being here on today stay with us we'll be right back
3: how many times do-